You're listening to Bridging Resistance Radio. Bridge of hope. You hold one side, I hold the other, and we meet in the middle. Welcome to Bridging Resistance, Relationships in Resurgence radio project, a special series that aims to connect Indigenous and non-Indigenous people through the transformative power of telling our own stories and listening to the stories of others. We hope to empower, inspire, and learn about cultural resurgence and reclamation in the face of ongoing colonialism and racism. So listen up, Thunder Bay and beyond. Welcome back to Bridging Resistance Radio. This is a sister episode, part two of our explorations on relationships to place, how we each have different connections to the land that we live on, the cities we're from, and the spaces we choose or do not choose to live. Language is part of this conversation, from not having the language or the words to reclaiming and finding our own ways to honor and understand each other's experiences. If you missed part one, check out our website, resistanceradio.tumblr.com, or find us on Facebook at Bridging T Bay to tune into previous episodes. On this episode, we will be featuring many different voices from our community up here in Thunder Bay. First, Sarah and I, Farah, discuss our own understandings and perspectives on relationship to place. You'll then hear from some community members about their hopes for T Bay. Later on the show, we will be featuring a series of poems. The first is a community poem that was constructed at a gathering we held on August 18th, 2017, where folks from all over Thunder Bay reflected on the themes of home and community together. The second series of poems comes from a beautiful event called Poetry Against Racism that was organized by Taina McKee Chahal and Jana Ray Yerksa. On August 16th, poets and community members occupied spaces all around the city, including the Port Arthur waterfront, the front steps of the Chronicle Journal building, outside of City Hall, the Cam River, and of course, the McIntyre River. Poets share their works on themes of resilience, colonialism, racism, healing, reclamation, anger, and hope. Stay tuned for these special pieces. They truly speak to how we are given meaning and make meaning from the spaces we exist on and near. For now, here is a conversation Sarah and I had in my childhood home in Brampton. So we're drinking jasmine tea that my dad made for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are in my childhood home. Um, what we were thinking about for this episode was really kind of connecting it back to the relationship to place. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so I thought that what we could do was, if we wanted to anyway, maybe like talk about that. Like, what does that even mean to you or me, like relationship to place? And like, specifically in Thunder Bay, what does that mean? Like, what's our relationship to that city and, um, and community and, and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like very fitting. <laughs> yeah. We are in uh, Pharaoh's uh, childhood home, yeah. like in her, you know, home community. Mm-hmm. And all this time, Farah's been a sort of visitor in mm-hmm. Thunder Bay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like that's my home because that's where I was born. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, um, and when you say that question, like home, it is complicated for me too because I think like, 
even though I'm born in Thunder Bay, I'm still connected to all these other places that, you know, my ancestors come from. And, like, I think the first episode we talked about, like, I talked about that importance of um, acknowledging your relationship to those different, like, those are your real homes, too, are where, you know, your ancestors came from. So, yeah, so I'm just thinking, like, I always feel that I have multiple homes in a way because, mm-hmm. yeah, my my family's just sort of like, they've uh, traveled around, <laughs> you know. That that's that's how we were though too as Anishinaabe and and even as Europeans, you know, they've um, they've uh, traveled the ways mm-hmm. to end up here on this land. Mm-hmm. So what a great idea. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways for me, like Thunder Bay has been a transformative place for me. And so when I think about my relationship to that city, it very much is like filled with a lot of like grief, mm-hmm. you know, for multiple reasons. Yeah. Um, but also has been the place that has literally propelled me closer to who I am mm-hmm. and who I'm meant to be. Yeah. And and I know that those things have gone together, that grief and that pain and like some of those, some of that struggle, a lot of that struggle um, has really kind of helps me come into my own mm-hmm. and come into who I'm meant to be. So I am, it's complicated, but I've, I'm really, it's a special place. <laughs> mm. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking a lot about too is like relationship to place in terms of like, like, I don't know, like, I I never, ever felt rooted. Like, even though, you know, earlier on in our conversation, I did say that, I'm, you know, I have roots in Brampton, and I do. But it took me many, many years to even recognize and acknowledge those roots, you know? Like, I never felt a relationship to place and never realized how important that was until... You went to Thunder Bay? Until, Maybe? until I actually, actually, until I went to Enigaming. Oh, Enigaming, yes. Yeah. yeah. So that was the Because that was the first place that you exactly. worked at. Yeah. Yeah, that was a few, a few years ago. And then even after I stopped working there, I continued to visit and, and uh, went mm-hmm. back many times and stuff like that before I even moved to Thunder Bay. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's because of like, the recent immigrant experience like maybe that's why I had such a hard time connecting to place because it was so incredibly apparent to me that this isn't my land this isn't my place this isn't like a place that I feel any belonging to this isn't a place that I have deep history with right because my parents came here um in the very late 70s right we have very we have a very recent history in this place yeah um and not only like physically but like culturally linguistically you know like we don't have deep connections and roots here and you don't fit the sort of like canadian i don't know what they call it but like the canadian stereotype which is like a a white Mm -hmm. european person you know exactly like that's yeah I, I really would really like to see canada become a place that expands that sort of notion like I don't know that it's really happened in a really big way yet. They like to say that it has, you yeah. know, like they like they, you know, Canada and Ontario and Toronto specifically, they really like to, you know, hold their multiculturalism up as a prize and say mm-hmm. like look at us, look at us, we're so we get along so well, um, yeah. but it's very shallow in reality, you know, like if you aren't like white and English speaking, 
um, and all of these other things that are associated with whiteness, then you really are made to feel that you don't belong. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I was trying to think a lot about when did that change for me and why and what happened and things like that. But um, now, anyway, now I really do feel like uh, a sense of, and maybe entitlement is the wrong word, but like, you know, back then when I felt so complicated about Brampton and about my identity and about like mm. all these other things that I hold as like a brown Muslim woman, um, mm-hmm. I I never felt like this, pl- like I had the right to call this place my place. Mm. You know, I never felt like I had that right. And now moving forward... Or, or now in the past few years or something as I get to like continue in this journey and like learn and unlearn a lot of things now I feel like wait yeah I do I, I am worthy to be here like I do have a purpose here I do belong here mm-hmm. um yeah and maybe maybe it's because I've gotten to learn a little bit um about like the Anishinaabe relationship to place and how like mm. many people in my life that belong to those communities have talked extensively about how like nobody possesses the land, you know, but yeah. we have responsibilities like you said earlier today, um, when we were talking to Sherry Uncle. Yeah, we I keep about thinking that. about that conversation with your, your uncle here yeah. <laughs> because it was uh it was really cool. Like her uncle gave me some medicine for my sore throat. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, I'll make you some medicine and it was like with his own like you know natural. his own natural mm-hmm. herbs and things that they use mm-hmm. that you use mm-hmm. <laughs> that your people use mm-hmm. and uh so it was interesting because then i was just like well i'm going to give you some tobacco for giving me that and he was like oh i don't smoke don't give me tobacco <laughs> and i was like well no it's not really to smoke but you could smoke it but it's like you could also just put it on the ground and mm-hmm. offer like a prayer mm-hmm. however you pray <clears throat> and then um yeah so I did that and then I also like gave him like a little keychain as a gift mm-hmm. it was just like I just got it recently mm-hmm. so it's just like oh it's new enough to give as a gift mm-hmm. I guess I don't really have anything else so mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like a beaded like leather hide like keychain mm-hmm. it was literally just like had like feathers beaded onto it so it's pretty cool because eagle feathers are really significant. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I gave it to him, and then, yeah, he really seemed really appreciative and everything. And But then we got into a conversation about... <clears throat> how, I don't even know how we got into the conversation about land, but we did because... Oh, because your dad said, oh, I, the First Nations people, they're the first ones here. They, they're the ones that really own the land. Mm-hmm. And then your uncle was like, well, nobody owns the land. And then I was just kind of like, yeah, that's right. Like in our in our worldview, anyway, we don't conceptualize of land in, as like private property. Like it's like we share it. And actually, what I really said was that it's like uh, we are the land provides everything we need, and you know we are just responsible to it. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's basically that was a pretty cool. It was a pretty cool, like, um, overall experience. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to trying that medicine. Mm-hmm. I hope it works. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really awesome for me because I feel like I've only eaten 
Indian food, like I said, like in restaurants. So to actually eat like a home cooked meal, you know, mm -hmm. it was really nice. Yeah. It was very special. Mm -hmm. um, no, that was a really, like I was sitting there and I was just like so thankful, you know, I was really grateful just to like um, have you, a person that I really care about, <laughs> like be part of like such a family space you know um sorry i can hear i can hear my mom <laughs> and it's like catching up on the mic and it's so loud like it sounds as if she's in the room oh she stopped <laughs> awesome well see you later see you Over the past few months, we have slowly been collecting perspectives from folks in our community members about their hopes, fears, and feelings about Thunder Bay. For this segment, we asked a few folks what their hopes in our city were. Here's what they said. So I'll just ask the question again. Uh, what are your hopes for Thunder Bay? Being here for nine years now, I've seen Thunder Bay change a, a lot, and the only thing that I can hope for is I cha I see a lot more di diversity in, in, in Thunder Bay. It has evolved uh, since I first got, got here, and Thunder Bay has a lot of pot pot potential, a lot of resources, a uh, lot of amazing people that can help out with different uh, 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 items, whether, whether it's a newcomer or just somebody coming from Toronto or Vancouver. Uh, Thunder Bay has great resources and I would definitely love to see some more diversity and I'm very sure uh, that that will happen. I, I want a new mayor. Thunder Bay, like even without knowing, if even if I didn't know the history of phobias and racism and how it is ground zero for a lot of segregation and high level of polarity between indigenous and non-indigenous communities you can, it's, it's very visceral, it's very visible if you have even half an eye open, you know, or half an ear paying attention to the ground or to the scene. It's, you, can, you can see the, the lines that are being drawn as you bike from one neighborhood to another neighborhood. So it, it's, it's incredible to me like how much work and potential there is in regards to creating meaningful meeting spaces between these different communities. As an outsider, it's just... It just feels so ripe. It feels so... The field is just wide open. And so it's incredible. There is really good work being done. I know that about Thunder Bay, but it is all in sort of bubbles. And I think we need people or groups or organizations that don't burst these bubbles, but create bridges or like tunnels between these bubbles where people from these bubbles can meet and in a safe space, you know... Um, learn about each other and realize that we all have more in common than not because it feels like a lot of people you know the lines are drawn not in, not in sand and like cement and concrete and very much so my hope for Thunder Bay is it will be a city where we all have equality and we should see more of our assets rather than our differences and we should come together for a common good rather than trying to um, find out who we are in a different way. Because at the end of the day, we all have the same hopes, dreams, and aspirations.
So on the last episode, you heard a little bit from the gathering we held on August 18th. You heard a poem from Blake and a poem from Kayla, both of them talking a little bit about, you know, their own connection to place, identity, and racism. Um, We also reflected on ideas of home and community together in this space, and we ended up collaboratively constructing a community poem. Folks were invited to write their responses to five core phrases that were later spoken consecutively to make a complete poem. The five phrases were, on this land, who I am is, in my community, finding out that, and the message of hope I want to share is. It was a pretty interesting and definitely at times awkward process, but the result was really, really profound. Listen in for yourself. On this land, on this land, we need to remember our impact on not only the environment, but also the people we meet and impressions we give. On this land, I walk lightly. On this land, we listen for whispers of healing. On this land, I don't waste. On this land, I sing to the river. On this land, we get a lot of snow in the winters. On this land, I found out how to live in balance and in relationship. On this land, we grow by listening and healing with each other. On this land, our common love for the land is what holds us. On this land. Who I am is a reflection of the morals and values I've been taught by my elders. Who I am is the unending question answered only by relationships. Who I am is a mother. Who I am is a friend. Who I am is a listener. Who I am is what I do. Who I am is feminist, fun mom, lefty ally. Who I am is... There are others out there who've been through similar experiences and can help you through. Who I am is not who I thought I would end up becoming. Who I am is. In my community, people need to start focusing more on the positive aspects than the negative. In my community. Many voices can form a choir or a cacophony. It's our choice. In my community, the mayor is a bully. In my community, we are in dire need of bridges. Let's build them together. In my community. Finding out that Thunder Bay is considered a hate crime capital of Canada. Finding out that projects like this are popping up gives me hope for Thunder Bay's future in improving relationships between Native and non-Native citizens. Optimistic. Finding out that Indigenous youth don't feel safe. Finding out that another child is gone breaks already shattered hearts beyond recognition. Finding out that we are never alone when we listen to these these sounds of silence. Finding out that belonging, being other, is different today. New thread over old patterns. Finding out there is wisdom in unexpected places. Finding out that the message of hope I want to share is believe in yourself and never give up on your dreams. Spend your time around like-minded individuals. The message of hope I want to share is, we need everyone's help. You are wanted. The message of hope I want to share is, pretend your favorite fictional characters are protecting you and you might feel safer. The message of hope I want to share is, hope, faith that change is possible.
The message of hope I want to share is, you are never alone. The message of hope I want to share is, kindness, listen. The message of hope I want to share is. Woo! Good job, everyone. All right, more poetry to really talk about place. Over the past few months, there have been many consciously created spaces for folks to write, read, and share poetry by many community groups in Thunder Bay, including Racialized Young Professionals Network and, of course, the Northern Feminisms. So, on August 16th, Poetry Against Racism, which was organized by Taina McKee Chahal and Jenna Ray Yerksa, invited poets to share their pieces around specific locations in the city. Poets and community members walked through Port Arthur, parts of Fort William, and attended both rivers, the Kamenistiqua and McIntyre. It was an incredibly powerful event filled with truth-telling, passion, hopes, and tears. We have the honor and privilege of sharing three poems that were shared that day. Um, before I state uh, who these poets are, I just wanted to make a note about safety. You know, when racialized and indigenous people tell folks what they really think in public, sometimes our safety is put at risk. And that truly, truly needs to be emphasized, that when racialized and indigenous people speak out in public, our bodies can be targets and often are. Um, so when we share our poems and the words that are, are said today, we asked permission from the poets, um, and to safety was definitely a discussion that we had together. You know, over and over again, Indigenous people, racialized people are continuously courageous, continuously, and poetry is one form of that. So let's celebrate the courage and the truth that's been spoken. Uh, first, you're going to hear a poem from Taina McKee Chahal. Uh, then um, you'll hear some words that I shared that day. And last but not least, you'll hear from Stephanie McLaurin. The smell of blood is startling, like a deer standing on the banks of the river of death in Thunder Bay. In summer, geese and yellow lily pads float innocently on the water, the sound of lapping, tall pines sursuring, and footsteps running. A blue sky follows the river as he meanders with his hungry red mouth. Next year at this time, will the investigations tell the truth? The flight of an empty sets sail from the Kaministiquar River, thundering as children fall like raindrops into broken promises. Why don't the people of the city hear them slip into the water? Settlers shout obscene soliloquies on social media and in local papers a cacophony of comments continually assault the already dead youth. But what if he was your son? Can you imagine her as your daughter? If they were your child, you would be patrolling the river, calling their name, shouting to the night sky, I love you, come home. 
The colonial dream is to bury my dreams, make it so that when I hurry to sleep, all I see are pictures that are planted, hopes and aspirations that are slanted on the surface just so. But the more I lean, the deeper I've fallen into a black hole that scours darkness in all forms, screams that its ways are the only norms, and places me in the lightest night I've ever known. The colonial dream is to bury my dreams, make it so that when I hurry to eat, I am doing just that, hurrying. Worrying that my absence from the box they've put me in would prove me improper and unprofitable. I'm made to forget that true prosperity is marked by a jar of honey on my table and the knowing of how to savor that which nourishes me. The colonial dream was to bury my dreams, make it so that I cease to know the difference between what has made me and what I've been made to be. In the depths of this dream, there is no vibrancy, no spectrum of color, no calls for pleasure, no mind that's free. In the maze of this white haze, I was caught up, taught up by lovelessness for what only love could ever truly rot. In this cloud that surrounds, I was enveloped until one day, creator's wind blew my way, and I awakened, shaken still, but finally free from the deceit that is white supremacy. I could see, really see, the glory that is me. Brown skin, dark hair, bare, the colonizer's nightmare. I used to try and crawl out of my skin. I even thought about scratching it off with my fingernails. Tried to hide it with my curly hair and blonde streaks. I hoped if my laptop cost enough or my car was shiny enough that maybe I'd be safe. Safe from your stare, from your condescension, from your hate and rage, safe from your racism. Do you really think that I, we, cannot see? Do you really think that you can hide behind your niceties and cunning smile as though you believe your eyes don't betray you? as though you can even pretend to hide your racism. I see it. I see you. I hear your racism even when you tell me I'm imagining, or like I need to get a new perspective. I need to change. That's what they've been telling me. It's me. Can you imagine? And you believe this? That's nothing. Shit, I used to believe it. What we're told and what we're not told, colonial atmosphere that breeds societal dysfunctions, and I don't mean schizophrenia, bipolar, or depression, which are symptoms of a sick society, what is societal dysfunction, you ask? It is you, with your ignorance, discriminations, prejudice, and racism. This dysfunction is from the capitalism, colonialism, imperialism, and the beliefs of your ancestors. You know what else I see through your eyes and your hate? I see why you hate my skin. I see how the color of my skin reminds you that you have no claim to this land. My skin is a daily reminder that you do not belong to this land, but I do. I am from this mountain, the rivers and lakes, the very river you choose to throw my indigenous brothers and sisters into because they too remind you of your non-belonging. Alright, uh, check out our Facebook page or website for links to the Northern Feminisms and to the Twitter pages of some of the women you just heard. Okay, we have come to the end of this episode. Over the past two shows, we've highlighted many different voices on their connection to and relationship with place, specifically in Thunder Bay, Kenora, and the spaces in between. Thank you for joining us on our collective learning journey as we listen to the voices of others and share our own. 
Tune in next time as we talk to a few local artists about their work and the healing power of artistic expression. Until next time, take care. This initiative is made possible by the Community Fund for Canada's 150th, a collaboration between Canadian Community Foundations, the Government of Canada, and extraordinary leaders from coast to coast to coast. We are also in partnership with the Thunder Bay Art Gallery and LU Radio, CILU 102.7 FM. Follow us on Facebook at Bridging T-Bay and listen and share past episodes on resistanceradio.tumblr.com. Peace. <laughs> That's pretty distracting. I kind of have a moment. <laughs>